from yesteryear, spotlighting those historic moto moments that simply never grow old. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Liat Re-Raceables podcast. Thanks for listening, man. These are super fun to do, and we love uh, the folks at Liat for coming on board with uh, the title sponsorship of this podcast. Also, Maxis and Scott Goggles also on board with this, and 2009 Seattle is the race we have picked. The first career win for someone that would go on to win four championships in a row and be one of the all-time greats, and it all started in his hometown in Seattle. Uh, in 2009. So that's why we picked this one. I'm Steve Mathis. Welcome, Jason Wygant. Yeah, huge race, huge race. Um, at the time, it was just a bit of a feel-good story, including a person that we knew that was in the stands that felt so good that he cried over this. But at the time, I feel like it was just a little, hey, good for Ryan Villapoto. He got himself a 450 Supercross <laughs> win. I guess he'll be okay on big bikes. But I don't think anyone knew it was literally going to be a complete changing of the guard of who was going to win Supercross titles over the next five years. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I agree. Um, first up, thanks to the folks at Liat. Liat.com, if you need to, if you want a code to save with Liat, uh, email us using the contact form on pulpamex.com. I'll pass that on to you, and you can get a code to save a little bit of money with the folks at Liat. Of course, the Moto Concepts guys, big fans of the Liat uh, crew over there. Different people ride for different reasons, yet there's a common denominator that binds everyone who puts their body on the line for the sheer enjoyment of it. And this is what Liat offers as a brand. They make protective wear, helmets, goggles, riding gear, knee braces, boots, and neck braces, covering riders from head to toe for both moto and mountain bike stuff. But what Liat really stands for is the promise of things to come. They are in the business of making sure that you have the confidence and the equipment to push yourself faster, harder, and further than you thought you could go. Visit them at Liat.com. Thanks to Scott Goggles and uh, Maxis, and we'll talk more about that later on the show. But you're right, Weege. This was – well, okay, let's start with this. So this is kind of my premise of this show, and Ryan Villapoto will join us later to talk about this win. And he's got a couple of funny moments because that's what Ryan Villapoto is, the greatest retired rider ever. Um, no, but here's – like, so 
Okay, so RV, would you or would you not agree that RV is the same class as RC coming into his rookie Supercross season? Three titles, uh, the Supercross title, RC won, went undefeated in his Supercross reign and got beat by Tim Ferry. RV got beat by Josh Grant, or uh, sorry, by uh, Trey Kennard, and then, you know, won another one but didn't win it as dominant. Hear me out. They're close. They are close, but here's where I think it differs. Uh, it probably shouldn't have, but I believe that the Reed, Stu, Carmichael era had gone on so long, and they had won such an insane percentage of the races for such a long period that I think the bar of – I think when Carmichael was coming in, it was still like, okay, maybe he'll be the guy that beats McGrath. But I feel like – at least maybe me, I, I feel like I'd given up. I had felt like it was like, okay, so Dungy and Filippoto are probably going to be the next two guys, but they can't beat Stu, right? They can't beat Reed. They have, they have knocked everyone aside, no problem, no challenge for a long time. So maybe it's more on uh, a compliment to Stu and Chad, but I didn't – if you had told me in 2009, the beginning of the year, will Ryan Villapoto eventually be able to beat James Stewart? I probably would have said no. But aren't you forgetting that Ricky Carmichael was going up against Jeremy fucking McGrath? I know. I know. He's going against the greatest Supercross rider of all time. But I think – here's all I can think of that could justify what I'm saying. Okay. There was a long time of building – maybe it's going to be Huffman or maybe it's going to be Yogi. Uh, maybe it's going to be Carmichael. Then Carmichael finally does it. After a while, I guess I started giving up and being like, no one's going to beat whoever the best guy is. McGrath's just going to win for freaking ever. Carmichael's going to win for friggin' ever, and Stewart's going to win for friggin' ever. Stop hyping up the next 125, 250F guy. It's not going to happen. Well, that leads me into my, into my point, and you, you sidetracked it a little bit. But So RV coming into the 450 class full-time, he was eighth in the points coming into this race. It was third last, round, third last one of the year. Um, RC crashed out a bunch in 99, and I don't care what you say. There were questions about whether he was going to be able to figure it out. Is he too short? Uh, Kenny, oh, totally. you know, a totally. lot of questions yeah. with RC, a lot of yeah. questions with RV. Now, Chad, okay, like wins the 250 Supercross title, pretty much almost wins the 203 title, and he's on his way, you know, no problem. James, we covered the 05 Anaheim. He breaks his arm, but he shows simply otherworldly speed. And, and we all know that he's going to figure it out. I guess what I'm getting to is I think like RC, there were some question marks about RV's uh, ability to win a title. Not win races and all that, but win a title. Okay, yeah, I do agree. Okay, I guess here's the difference. Before the 99 season, when Carmichael is going to move up, I think it was like, well, it's Ricky Carmichael. He could maybe eventually beat McGrath. But you're right. Once we started to see him and he was – crashing his brains out weekly mm -hmm. for sure there were questions and i would say for sure 99 for carmichael was way worse than 09 was for villapoto their first year on the big bike was better 
for Villapoto in yeah. the end yeah. than Carmichael. Yep. No, yep. I, absolutely. Well, I mean, it's been going into the season. Yeah. Look, Ricky Carmichael was a bad dude. We all knew he was a bad dude. When he was moving up in 99, there's no way anyone was saying, nah, he'll never. He has no chance of ever beating McGrath. No, no, no. No, no, no. no, no. Yeah. But there was but a once question. Once we saw him riding, it wasn't very good. Right. There were questions. I'm telling you, I was around in 99. People were like, dude, the guy can't keep it on two wheels. Dude, he's too short. Like, he's not in that great of shape. There were questions. Yes, it, it's the difference between, you know, the preseason, like how do you think he'll do, and then when you actually saw how he was doing, then it was like, uh, uh this is not good. So, okay, so the, the point, yeah, I guess so. We're, we're agreeing with the point that for sure there were questions about RV. Now, despite his three national championships and one Supercross title, uh, sure. there were still questions. And he, like I said, he was eighth going into this into this race, and it wasn't like. It wasn't like it was a good rookie season, but it wasn't crushing it. Um, and then, uh, of course, you've 20. seen a few races where he led some laps and all, but I don't really feel at any event in early in 09 before this one, I, there wasn't like a, oh my gosh, he's going as fast as Chad and James. No. Maybe he'll beat them. It, there, that was not happening. No, because you had Chad and James, two of the all timers, right? Just two of the absolute all timers. And yeah. the next year would get even weirder because. Chad would um, exit right away with a broken hand. Stu would exit soon after with uh, the wrist. knee, the wrist, wrist. wrist. Yep. And then Dungey and Villapoto are going at it for the title, and RV breaks his leg, and Dungey clinches it. And, and so it got even weirder. Yeah, but what, what really happens here is Villapoto wins this race. He comes back and wins uh, one more in the final. He wins two of the last three yep. in 09. Yep. And then Dungey wins the 2010 title. And then Villapoto wins the next four. This Seattle race, who knew it was the end of the Stu and Chad reign? They would come back. They would ride well. They'd win races. They would threaten for titles. Yep. But the Ryans would win the next five titles. Yep. There was no way in 09 that anyone was betting on that. No. No. No way. No way. And especially, no. like, we'll get into this race later. We got the Lee at re-raceables categories, two to get into. We'll get into it later. But it's shocking Shocking to me upon rewatching this. Um, Millsaps is really good, and Andrew Short's third in the points, and Millsaps is a race winner earlier. JG's on the line. He won Anaheim 1, of course, in that epic uh, win for JGR. It's shocking how much better Ch uh, James is than these guys, how much he f catches them. Like, they, they're just way better, way better. And Ch and these guys are – and we're talking Andrew Short and Davey Millsaps at maybe their peak. Yeah, and I guess that's my point of the – it wasn't an insult to RV to say, I'm not sure RV can win Supercross titles. It was more of a compliment to – we had seen Chad and James beat the other people down so bad. I mean, hey, Ivan Tedesco moved into the 450 class with some hype, right? And he was good. He was solid. But he was – yeah, he's not going to beat Chad and James. Mm -hmm. Like, Millsaps, exactly. Lots of talent. Eh, I don't think he's going to beat Chad and James. We had just seen them – slap these dudes to the side like you're not even in our league no offense to those guys but you're just i mean it's james stewart and chad reed right. they're at a whole nother level and this is the uh this is the first year of uh james going on chad's old team and, and chad oh. going to suzuki and chad's agent epically uh, you know mis misunderstanding their bargaining position so he had all of this going on in the background where james took chad's spot amazing yeah, it really is, I think, as far as uh, rival heat drama, like personal, I think the peak. You, you can argue other seasons, 
this is a super exciting season. It does go down to the wire. They swap the points lead several times. This is Jacksonville year two. Uh, yes. Yep. You, you, you could maybe argue that some other season was more exciting, but this is definitely right up there on the racing excitement. Mm-hmm. But I feel like on the personal hatred rivalry level, I don't think anything tops this particular season. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was pretty intense, right? Pretty- yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we're going to have to do erasables on the 09 season, I think, at one point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe so, right? Yeah. Uh, it's not Villapoto's year. It's 09 is defined by Reed and Stu, but who knew that this little Villapoto thing would pop up at the end? Chad's, like, 2009 Suzuki year. And of course, he wins the outdoor yeah. title. And then 2010 yeah. Kawasaki year, right? And then many people thought that that might be it for him. At the end mm, of two, many people, yeah, yes, at the end. many, yeah. <laughs> um, but it was sort of like bizarre to look back at, right? Like this is a guy who's one of the great, greatest Supercross riders ever. I don't put Chad on the Mount Rushmore of Moto. I don't put him of Moto and Supercross combined. I don't do any of that. But when you're talking Supercross, Chad is one of the greatest riders ever, and he was a vagabond for a few years there. You know. Uh, yeah, really couldn't find his way until he kind of got 2-2 going. And then, you know, we've covered all that. Well, what happens is uh, I, I think the sport has changed quite a bit on the longevity front. And you are so used to, as soon as a guy loses it, it's done. So I, I even though Chad doesn't win this 09 title, I feel like he was just as good in 09 in the Suzuki as any other year. He was very good. He was very fast. And then he wins the outdoor title that year, right? Then the next year, it's just a complete disaster. And I feel like... The history of the sport has shown, yeah, dude, doesn't matter who you are. You have that one bad year. It's over. It's over. It's done. And I guess the industry felt that way, too, because by 11, no one even wanted them. So it, now we've learned that these dudes have shelf life. They can come back. We've seen countless riders, including Chad, do it. But I feel like in the 9 10 range, when a dude just loses it, uh, yeah, he's done. So that's the way it looked for Chad. But don't you agree? Chad was very good in 9 he was. He was. He wasn't as fast as Stu, but Stu would. Shocking. Stu made mistakes, and Chad was right there yeah. to take advantage of it. And again, it goes yeah. back to what I was saying. It is startling how much better they were than everybody else, right? Like you're just like, yes. you know, Millsaps is second in this race forever, uh, big lead, and Stu tracks him down and gets by him and blow and drops him immediately. Uh, Shorty the same way. Shorty's charging hard in fourth. Looks great. He's third in points. Stu catches him, drops him. You know, see you later. And and you're just like, whoa! Like, these are great riders. They have great they have great skills. But James and Chad, you know, not this race for Chad, but other races this year. They th- those guys and we and we've said this when it comes to this you know field this year. Chad and James could roll around the first turn in 19th and 20th and probably get third or fourth or second and third. Well, that is actually one of the topics we will discuss with Ryan Villapoto here. Yeah. The difference between, and it's this hard thing to say, like, what's better, right? Is it awesome now that we have a few more guys that could win and whoever is trying to win the title could still get a ninth here and there, which Cooper Webb even does every once in a while, right? For sure, Eli Tomek and Ken Roxon do that every once in a while, right? Yep. Uh, is it more exciting to have that kind of unpredictability like we have now? But then when you talk to guys like RV or Chad, they, I feel like the elite guys who were there, they totally disrespect that, don't they? They totally are like, now, nah, if you're good, you should be podiuming at worst all the time. That's the way it should be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing if you're getting eighth. Yep. 
No, absolutely, right? Uh, that, totally. And you're just like, yeah, but... You should never get eighth. You should never, ever, ever get eighth. That's what I feel like the Dunge, RV, Chad, Stu, RC type guys of the world, they lived it. They have no respect for guys who ran only get eighth. But, but yeah, you're right. 100%, you're right. And 100%, like, I think that they're wrong. I think that they don't... Un- I think that they're not seeing what we're seeing week in and week out. You know what I mean? That's all. I just... I, I know what they're saying. I know where they're coming from, but... It's different now because for all the reasons we've talked about many times, riding facilities, riding together, all that kind of stuff, um, these guys are more equal than ever before. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, I don't know. When when you look at when they get the random seventh and you look at who get, they get beat by, you're like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, all yeah. six of those <laughs> yeah. guys in front of them were pretty good. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So uh, speaking of pretty good, thanks to the folks at Scott Sports. They've been providing the best goggle technology in all the motorsport disciplines for over 50 years. I keep telling Knowles. They need to cop, they need to uh, build their ad programs or build their whatever they do around the fact that they've had so many champions for so long. And I don't know why he doesn't listen to me, but he doesn't. But when you look at like David Bailey wore Scott to championships and Bob Hanna wore Scott in the late 70s, you know what I mean? And just Scott, right? Anyways. Oh, yeah. And, and you throw in, you know, uh, with Pro Circuit team, including Villapoto in yeah. his Pro Circuit days. And Chad right? Reed. And Chad Reed. And yes. um, yep. Jason Anderson now. And, you know. Long, long legacy. All right. Uh, Scott Sports providing the best goggle technology. I already said that. Scott is the global leader in innovation, technology, and design. They've always been proud to support racing from grassroots all the way to the top step of motocross, supercross, and off-road. Champions like Anderson, Pro Circuit, Caleb Russell, Chad Weenan, and Walker Fowler. Noel's really getting in the off-road love there. Uh, Choose the quality product and support from Scott. Scott is excited to relive iconic moments in the sport with this very podcast many of which have included Scott Goggles. Scott, the only goggles made in the USA. I feel like Knowles has been going to a lot of GNCCs lately too, so he's really been supporting that epic series. And um, thanks to the folks at Max's Tires. Uh, Cade Clayson using Max's Tires over there at the SGB Honda team as well as uh, Jace Kessler and the Alex Ray who sent me a video of himself on Supercross today and said that he got sketchy. And I haven't watched the video, but I don't even need to watch the video. I believe it. Uh, so Max's Tires, uh, please check them out. UTV Tires, Mountain Bike Tires, and of course Mountain uh, Dirt Bike Tires. MXSTs developed by Jeremy McGrath. Who we're we're gonna get we're gonna get him on one of these podcasts real soon. Uh, so thanks to Maxis and thank you to Scott and of course especially Liet Liet Reraceables for more information on that. Another thing about this race, Weege, is that uh, it's on CBS and. Later, some of these races are on CBS, the main network, and other them on CBS Sports, and that got me thinking about NBC and NBC Sports, NBC Sports, and then I remember we talked in in ninety nine, uh, the Indianapolis race was on ABC, on the main network. Yep. Uh, we've been on Fox. We have we been on every network? Have we been on Nickelodeon ever um, that you know of? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I do remember the late 90s when Supercross was really exploding in popularity at getting some of those ABC things. And ABC is owned by ESPN. So that was like a natural, like, the race are on ESPN, but a couple will be on ABC. And I remember literally thinking, that's it. In one hour, this sport is going to be mainstream. Like, when this TV show is over, when Jeremy McGrath is done racing on ABC, we will be right there with the NFL. <laughs> uh, so it goes to your it goes to your point that yes, we've done you. everything. Yeah. It's all been done. Yep. Uh, it did. It, I'm sure these things do move the needle to a degree, but we're still not the NFL, dude. We'll just we're not even. I just read the you know uh, NASCAR at their peak at eight million viewers for a race, oh, and now they are gosh. down to five 
Um, and, and, you know, they're freaking out. And it's like we get 300,000. If we have a good lead-in, we'll maybe touch a million. Um, yeah. We've been yeah. on Jay Leno. We've been on Conan. We've been on uh, Super Bikers. We've on ABC back in the day. We've been on NBC. It ain't happening. It ain't happening, no. everybody. Nope. It isn't. It's just never going to be mainstream. And uh, I, I've learned the hard way. I mean, this is really just what it comes down to. Not enough people in America have ridden a motorcycle for it to ever be mainstream. I, I didn't realize that that's what it came down to, right. but that's what it comes down to. And then when you watch street bike racing, as you would call it, mm-hmm. and you see that they have 130,000 fans at an Italian MotoGP, but then I went to Italy last month, and there are more people that ride scooters than drive cars. So there you go. Yeah. They just... And is a scooter a MotoGP bike? No. But do they have a basic understanding of riding on two wheels like everyone knows yep. what it's like to kick a soccer ball, throw a baseball, throw a football, shoot a basketball? We, I mean, what do you think? Does 75% of America have zero experience on a motorcycle? Well, yeah. What, yeah, whatever it is. And then also, as I've said before, like riding a motorcycle is like rebellious. Like you're the Hells Angels and Harley Davidson persona, and we know that that's not true, but in the general public, it's like, you know, I'm not, I'm not much of a rebel. I'm not much of a lawbreaker to ride a motorcycle. You got to be a bit rebellious. You got to have a little bit of, uh, you know, just a little bit of a wild side to ride a motorcycle, you know, and all of that in America is just the stereotypical thing. And so, yeah, you're right. So people don't ride motorcycles and, and we're just, that's where we're at, but that's a side rant to this race. I just I saw CBS and I'm like, oh yeah, like you know we're we've been on all of them. We've been on all of them. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So the way it worked back then in '09, uh, the races I believe were actually on uh, speed most of them, but then they did buy a couple of CBS slots, regular CBS network, and no, they would be th- on the next morning. This yeah. one's on CBS Sports, which is their side, you know, net sports network. So no, 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 they just call it that. Oh, like oh. it would be like. Yeah, it was like it was on CBS, but they just call uh, CBS that I don't think that CBS Sports oh. channel that like the GPs are on now. Right. I don't think that even existed. Oh, ah, okay. Then. This was like real CBS. So yes, the amount of times where it was like, oh my gosh, this happens to be a CBS race tomorrow morning. It'll be Stu and Carmichael battling in Anaheim, or this incredible Chad and James battle is going to be on CBS tomorrow morning, and it probably did get a huge rating for our sport. Maybe it got a million. Oh like yeah, you said. yeah. They, these ones get decent ratings. You've been involved right. in them, you know, for outdoors, like you know. Yes, yeah. it makes a huge difference. But did it make enough difference where James Stewart was NFL level popular or even NASCAR level popular? No. And if anyone is listening to this and says, "No, nah, man," I think Stu got to the point where he was almost no, he was not. He he was not Jeff Gordon level popularity no. at any point. No. No, never. Uh, but it is funny to listen to uh, my buddy Sam Jones talk about how Tom Cruise and his producer Paula something was involved in that Stewart movie, and how uh, he yeah. and how they just never called him back. They just never <laughs> called Tom Cruise back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. We're going oh, way great. off the rails. Yeah, we spot. are. But um, okay. But, but yes, there was supposed to be a movie about Stu. But do you know? I actually asked Big James about that. Do you know that? No. Yeah, I actually did, did asked. You say they didn't have about, an ECU, so they. <laughs> it was it was the same conversation. I was getting the ECU story of, <laughs> yeah, James couldn't come back to racing because he couldn't get a factory ECU. Um, you know, I want to. We're getting way off the rails. I want to. Uh, there are people in. What year would this have been? This is probably 2017, 2016-ish. I don't know. There were yeah. many people in the pits, not you, not me, who swore that. 
the ECUs had traction control that were making them like MotoGP bikes, where Ken Roxon, when he won Anaheim 1 on the Honda in 17, and he won by like 30 seconds, right? Mm-hmm. I heard many people, Big James, Coy Gibbs, many people are like, oh, dude, it's all ECU. Roxon just literally holds the throttle wide open all the way around the track, and the bike just sorts it out for him. And that's hundreds of thousands of dollars to have that technology. And Honda just has it. It's for MotoGP. Uh, has that been proven true or false, Steve? <laughs> false. False, yes. Uh, I yes. do think Honda has some pretty good electronics going on. They have uh, some tip sensors, I've heard, which is the lean angle of the bike, uh, that kind of stuff. Oh, okay. uh, but, but yes, okay. nothing like where you hold the bike wide open and it just, uh, like an F1 car, uh, distributes the right amount of horsepower. No, nothing like that. Yeah, yeah, but that was the story. That was a big James was telling me at the time. Um, and then uh, he, I said, hey, what about this movie? I've heard this rumor forever that there was going to be a movie about you and James, but Tom Cruise, and that you just never called the guy back. So look, this is Big James' take, and it's not a bad one. He's like, yeah, I saw the script. I was going to be an abusive, horrible dad because that's what Hollywood wants. That's good drama. And he's like, I'm not signing off on that. I'm not signing off on a movie that makes it look like I – abused my son because I wanted him to win races. Now, I asked Sam Jones. He said they had complete control. Yeah, they had, yeah, had script control. control. Right, right. So I don't know. But I have to say, I like Sam Jones. He's cool. But Hollywood does have a way yes. of usually twisting things pretty gnarly. Right. It's not inconceivable that they were like, you know what would make this story that much better? Mm-hmm. What if we made the dad super bad, super gnarly? Like the kid had to deal with this. You know, uh, the fans hated him. The dad was gnarly. Like, maybe not, but I do feel like that's the way most movies are. Yeah, yeah, maybe so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so Big James said, I wasn't happy with the way they wanted the movie to happen, so that's why we didn't do it. I don't know who's telling the truth. Yep. I mean, we know Big James is a bit wild with his stories, but I don't know. That's what he told me. That's all I can say. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah. Speaking of uh, wild, uh, this is the era where the – cameraman would basically be a um um gynecologist on the starting line to the monster girls oh. <laughs> um we miss that now we don't have that now but there are some ass crotch shots with the 30 second board that are are unbelievable with this race too so go back and check that out um okay. with the monster girls yes. that we're talking about yeah the monster girls okay. leather pants holding the uh 30 second board and we can see the birth canal not oh. far off of there but I mean, they, they stopped doing it for sure, right? But there was at the time where they did that. Um, I, I remember um, when the Monster Girls and the 30-second board thing started, they were they would they would sway or wiggle, whatever you want to call yeah, it, right? Yeah. That and was, do you remember? Then they had twins at one point. Do you remember that? <laughs> no, I don't remember uh, twins. Yeah, then there were a couple races where there were two girls. They were, like, swaying in unison together, both holding the 30-second card. And Steve... Thank God Jim Holly was somehow able to get through that because I thought he was just going to explode. I thought he was just going to – right there, oh, the fireworks, nobody ceremony. No, it's just Jim Holly. <laughs> I thought Jim was just going to spontaneously combust when he saw it. Great. Yeah, I bet. Um, and then eventually they stopped the swaying. They stopped the grinding and swaying, and then now we're back to dudes now again. Except for the main events, I think. Main events are still girls. I thought Supercross still had them. Uh, at Nationals, there were no girls. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Maybe girls. Yeah. Anyways, but we have no camera and shots. I think that honestly yeah. was a COVID budget cut thing. It's not a uh, – Right. You're still allowed to have a girl holding yeah. Yeah. Um, a second card. I think it was just they 
everybody's trying to save a few bucks since you haven't had fans of the races. But we don't have the uh, we don't have the uh, crotch uh, no. sh- camera shots anymore. No. No. <laughs> Somebody at one of these TV networks was like, "What? Yeah, exactly. Can, uh, you cannot show it like that." This is uh, this is Ralph, Jeff, and Aaron Bates. Aaron Bates yeah. uh, really getting a lot of info about uh, CR22 also. So really good job there, Aaron, getting right inside of, you know, lots of information from chat. So really did a good job there, Aaron. Um, Fro and uh, Ralph, of course, super team. Um, yeah. My, my funniest thing of this is – hold on. I wrote this thing down. Uh, yeah. Ralph Ralph says to Jeff, uh, at one point, Millsaps is – they just show Millsaps on the, on the, on the screen. And Ralph is like – Jeff Millsaps, he's one of the strongest riders out there physically, a real strong, tall guy. Does that help him on a track like this? Because it's Seattle and ruddy and a little soft, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fro goes, he's doing something right, Ralph. <laughs> that's, okay. that's all he's got. He's doing something right, Ralph. <laughs> okay, um, good analysis. Yeah. Also, uh, Team Yamaha is out of this race. It says Josh Hill has an ankle problem, and it says Brock Hepler, undisclosed. What? <laughs> undisclosed. Hepler, known for secrecy around the Hepler camp. Uh, that, that, that camp was tight. Do you think it's a good well, chance he uh, just never called anybody back? I, I think Hepler, I mean, I, I think there were so many crashes, injuries. He's crashed. He's out again. I don't even know if anyone could even keep track it, at that point. Is, the, no, the notebook was probably very extensive. Is Brandon Jessamine or Brock Hepler the fastest riders that no one knows anything about? Are they tied for that title, or do you like one of those or the over the other? I, I will say Hepler is Jessamine would win that one. Okay, uh, Hepler was definitely quiet, definitely not a lot known about him. But I feel like Jessamine was even another level. Okay, but hey, they're from the, like the from like the exact same area, like the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area. Is there something about that area? Yeah, like and um, personality. How, how did that? Like that M Night Shyamalan movie with the with the wind <laughs> around that area. But I mean, Hepler was yes. a good dude. Hepler was a good dude, like funny, like personable. Just, yeah. just yeah. the man won nationals. He had a factory Yamaha ride. You just, he's just gone. He's just gone. And even when yeah. he was racing, you didn't know anything outside of that shift ad that was highly inappropriate for Brett, Brock Hepler. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I know, and we're gonna have to actually have Brock Hepler on the show at one point because our man John Knowles from Scott, perhaps his greatest shining moment ever, was with <laughs> Brock Hepler. Yes, Brock Hepler. Look. We are probably the first people to talk about Brock Hepler in motocross for the last 10 years. We're probably the first. Yeah. How often does he get brought up? Never. 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 We all were at 125, 250 Nationals, if you want to call them, where Hepler just beat Ryan Villapoto. Like, yeah. that's how good he was yeah. at times. Yeah, at times. And to think that one just completely fizzled and really all he did was get hurt. That there wasn't, It wasn't like, ah, Hepler started partying like these other guys. He just... Yeah. He just got hurt and eventually it was too many injuries and he was done. Uh so uh, concussion really was what the concussions really were. Yeah, a lot of them. Uh so see so Yamaha's out for this one undisclosed for Brock Kepler. Um Gosh. The heat races, uh Ivan Tedesco wins heat 1 on a 2009 Honda that he'll tell you he absolutely hated. Uh so oh, yeah. he he wins the heat 1. Uh Chad gets a bad start, gets works his way up to second. Stu wins heat 2. But stop me if you heard this, Weege. Stu has a big moment where he gets completely sideways in the rhythm and almost almost dies. But oh, really? It. Yeah, but saves it. It's in the so, heat race. Yeah, heat race, yeah. So okay. uh, those guys win the heat right there. But Chad's bad start in the heat uh, would be a uh, uh, a four, four, a four uh, gone? No, four 
bearer, a forebearer of what was going to happen in the main event. Of the uh, bad gate pick. Yes, yes. Yeah, no, bad, bad pick, yep. No, 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 he's got second in the heat. Just a bad start. Just oh, un- okay. Un- yep. Unable to get off the line um, for, for this race. So, uh, again, I think I said it earlier, Stu was down by five coming into this. Chad had just really been consistent, really been there the whole time. Stu was up and down with some crashes. Again, stop me if you heard this before. Um, but- yeah, well, the year started with Stu and Chad had this spectacular Anaheim one where they crash into each other. Together, yes. And then Josh Grant <laughs> wins. And then Chad gets, I think, second that night. So he has already, you know, a 20-point lead basically over Stu. Stu comes all the way back, gets points lead. Stu crashes a first turn in Daytona. Chad gets points lead back. And then it's just scratching and clawing Stu to try to get those points back. Uh, so, this- yeah, now we're down to four races to go. Is this... Stu Daytona wall year? No. That's, uh, yeah, this that's is the, an epic uh, first turn crash uh, right. for Stu. Daytona's, yeah. that's JGR years. Uh, I think that was the final year with this team, which would have been 11, I okay. think. Okay, 11. The wall year. Okay. The wall year, yeah. But then there was another wall year where he made it and didn't eat shit on a triple. Yeah, the JGR year here in Millsaps <laughs> went one two, so that would have been twelve. Yeah, right. a lot of a lot of moments for Stu at Daytona. Uh which yeah. is the photograph jumping over Dino. That's on a Suzuki, actually. That's uh, later on. Yeah, that's yes, right. That's a Suzuki oh, he's photo. Like Fifty feet in the air. Yes. Yes. Okay. God, we can't help ourselves but talk about Stu. <laughs> we, we can't. We can't. You know, he God. never he never replied to coming back on this pod. So no, oh, no, shocked. Yeah. Um, all right. So, oh, wow. so yeah, I did not realize this is the week after. This is the race after the epic Jacksonville, uh, where they Chad and James have this unbelievable battle, and then Chad grabs him by the neck, which I didn't think much of it, but at the and time, Brooks, was being wanted, spun to into, like, charges, right? yes. Brooks wanted to press charges. Brooks wanted to press charges. <laughs> assault. Yeah. Oh, it's good stuff. Um, yep. Yeah, uh, that's a, a great year. Absolutely. Um, Right. Okay, so uh, basically, we're talking about Ryan Villapoto's first ever Supercross win, and, and sort of the like you are we? Yeah, I mean, right? <laughs> we are talking about that. Gate drops, <laughs> gate drops for the main event, and uh, Michael Lessie pulls a whole shot. And Michael oh, Lessie, yeah, Michael Lessie, uh, guess where he started? Weech, guess where he started? Oh, did he start next to the box? Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh, right baby. next to the box because that's what he does, right? Um, and then, so Mike leads for, you know what, looking back, watching, re, re-watching this race, Weech, he leads for longer than I thought. I don't know if you had a memory in your mind of, uh, I remember him leading, but I, I didn't think he led for as many laps as he did. I, I'm right there with you. Um, you know, obviously you and I were at this race, you were at this race, yep. watching his media guy, right? Yeah, I was doing the webcast. We were both there. I watched it back, you know, thinking I knew everything. And when I watched his back, same thing. I'm like, I thought, unless he got the whole shot, Villapoto passed him and took off. Uh, Mike was holding his own yeah, uh, for a long time, and he actually falls, and that's how Villapoto gets to lead. Mike was riding really well. He was. He was. Uh, yep. Do you think when Mike, when Believe the Hype t-shirts came out, if you had told Tony that Mike was going to podium one 450 Supercross, that he would have maybe just lost his mind? Yeah. You right? know, he has we won. are very high. I, it, it's... A story that doesn't get told enough. I mean, if we were a real sport, we like to use that term, if we were a real mainstream sport, the amount of hot takes about Michael Lessie's entrance into the pros and then the ultimate results he got would be a story told thousands and thousands of times. I think we're just too nice. He has one third place in a 450 Supercross in his career, and we know that he got starts and he was up front a lot. Um, yeah. Now, however, I did get, I have gotten over the years – 
a few like, hey, Michael Lessie, one of the greatest busts of all time, I will not have that. I, you, you will not get that out of me. The guy won millions of dollars and won races outdoors and was in the championship fight. And, you know, po- uh, he, did he ever win a 2 Supercross? I don't think he ever did. He made a bunch of no. bo- podiums, but I don't think he ever did. I just won't have the fact that you t- call him a bust. Uh, he, and Austin Stroop, Nico Easy, I'll go there. I'll, I'll have that conversation with you, but I will not have the conversation about Michael Essie being a bust. But having said that, it is amazing that he only made one podium with his starts. Yeah, I guess to say complete bust, you'd have to be absolutely awful. And it was not like Mike was absolutely awful. There were times where he was good. Maybe he could have won a outdoor title a couple times. I, I guess that clinches that you're not terrible. That's not our point. Um, but you have to just look at the era he came from. Everyone had watched Carmichael be so good as an amateur and just carry that into the pros. And then everybody had watched Stu be so good as an amateur and just carry that into the pros. So it was very hard to not think, well, unless he's doing the same amount of winning. Maybe he's not as fast as James Stewart, but uh, he'll probably be in there. He'll probably be really good. And the fact that it was not even comparable, you, you can't even compare No, Carmichael Stu no, to no, Mike, no, no. is a precipitous uh, drop-off. I mean, yes, it was like, how many races and titles is he going to win? Not, will he win a race? Will he win a race? He, uh, he would have won. He did not win he, one. Not either class, either class. Yes. Um, not not a single. Can he beat James Stewart? Can he eclipse James Stewart? Can that would be the guy he's gonna have to go after? He's a couple years younger. Than, uh, he didn't even win a single Supercross race. There's no way. There's no way that anyone saw that coming. Definitely not Tony. But when you look back, uh, and you would be a better judge of this than I would. Uh, his amateur success was a little bit of a cherry pick thing. A little bit. Half of it? 30% of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's definitely... I don't want to say cherry pick. Uh, it, oh, okay. It's, it, yeah, what's the word? I don't want to use... Cherry pick is, is specifically like you race certain classes to avoid people. Yes, they did that <laughs> one time. Okay. Their last... what His last year at Loretta's was odd. He raced like the four-stroke class. Mm-hmm. But dude, in the mini-cycle class, there is no such thing. You just race... You're 12 years old. You race 85, 12, 13. You're 13 years old. You race 85, 12, 13. There's no escaping anybody. He just beat Ryan Villapoto all the time. Yeah. Like, I saw Michael Essie beat dudes straight up plenty of times. What I do think they did, I'm not going to use the word cherry pick because I feel like most of the time they race their class. They game the system, I think, by being much more serious and much more professional okay. about being an amateur with their bikes, their training, just being all in, uh, which – Back then, you know, pre-training facility and coach, you could probably gain a massive advantage. Sure. Um, yeah. Now, all you got to do is pick your training facility, um, write the check, and you're going to be training full-time too. Game the system is a better word. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yep. Yep. They were probably, you know, putting in 20% more effort than any other kid uh, in that era. So Mike, Mike leads, uh, and, yep. actually, and like we said, he actually led for longer than we remember. Um yeah, he was he was leading for a while. Now, it did help, as Villapoto will mention on here. You know, we know Mike's Achilles heel was the whoops, and the atrocious dirt here, there were no whoops. They were just a rut. Yeah, yeah, they they were. And again, he never got whoops down. <laughs> yeah, th- this one was definitely pretty handy, pretty uh, pretty good for him as far as that goes. Um, so, yeah, he – so, Stu, Chad, terrible start, and then down in the first turn. He gets together, yeah. and he goes down. Uh, Stu gets a mediocre mid-pack start. 
And up front, it is uh, uh, Alessi leading with Villapoto pretty much in the clear. Millsaps after that. And those guys are gone, and the, the, this race focuses mostly on Chad and James is working through the pack, and what can they do? At one point, as the as the, po- the points stood, James would be up by five. Uh, he was actually up by three. The, the point swung. It was an eight-point swing at the end of this one, but it was uh, uh, not not – not, not as bad as you would think because Chad made it all the way to seventh. James makes it all the way to second. And as I mentioned earlier on the Lee at Reraceables, it's shocking James going around Millsaps and around Andrew Short, you know, uh, as fast as, as, as easy as he does. I guess so. I mean, at the time, it did not seem shocking at all. No, 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 no. But they're just yeah. watching it back. You're like, these guys were, you know, a couple of the best guys. And then it's just, yeah, see you later. You know, they're in another, they're in another level. Yeah, uh, they they were they were, and I don't know if we'll see that kind of. We were just having a discussion into our office the other day. Like, is, does anyone ever go twenty four and zero ever again? And I'm in the mode of no man. Like, no one will have the gap that those guys had. Yeah, in that hard era. to say, but I mean, we saw two guys do it, so I don't know if I would. You know, I don't know if I'd ever say that okay. we'll never see it. But yeah, um, right. definitely. So. Uh, let's let's talk to Ryan Villapoto a little bit, shall we? Uh, because I want to get into some of the changes that were going around with him uh, around this era. So we'll talk to RV and then come back after that. Uh, all right. Here's Ryan Villapoto on the Lee at Reraceables presented by Scott and Maxis tires. And now on the Lee at Reraceables presented by the folks at Maxis and, uh, Blenzall, uh, we've got, uh, the man and the myth that we were talking about his first career 450 supercross win. Ryan Villapoto. What's up RV? How are you, man? How's it going, boys? I'm good. 2009 Seattle, uh, your rookie year in 450s. You pull off the win, hometown race, all of that. I guess, uh, uh, what do you remember from that night? We'll start with the simple question. What do you remember? Well, right off the top of my head, it was, it was fairly dry, which is not normal. Yep. Um, which was, yeah, which is which was kind of nice, obviously, because Seattle's never dry. Um. I, I, what I remember was, is I struggled a lot that year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just wasn't very good. Um, but yeah, I can remember going into that race. Who did, where, oh, I don't remember what happened. It was James and Kevin in that race too, right? Yeah. Um, I don't remember what happened to them, but I remember Mike was leading. I think James and Chad went down early. Like they were the top two guys and I think they were both just out of it as far as they were down earlier or something going like that. for the win going you yeah. go for the win yeah, yeah. Yep. um and then Alessi whole shot it obviously yep <laughs> um and ended up running him down i believe pretty what was it probably 8 10 laps into it i remember what i do remember of that night is is whatever wherever they got the dirt that year mm-hmm. the track basically what jumps had, were there in practice were became basically marshmallows and they just all <laughs> folded in on everything just folded in on itself yeah and like what was a double 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 was basically like i don't even know you know they were kind of still there but not really the whoops same thing like there was no no whoops which would explain why mike was 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 pretty good yeah the whoops were just like I'm assuming they were just a rut. Like, it looked like nothing. It looked like just yeah, there was, like, through, nothing like, there. And even if yeah. you got out of the main main rut, like, you were fine. They weren't, They weren't like, oh, God, they're big whoops and then a rut. It was like the whole thing was just mushed together. Um, um, thanks to the guy that decided to build an open stadium in, in Seattle. Yeah, what really, right? Real genius. Uh, yeah, well, you know, you know the story behind that, right? A guy who works there told me this story. Um the Let own- me hear it. I heard the, it. Yeah, the owner of the Seattle Seahawks, he's passed away now, Paul Allen, 
uh, wanted an open-air stadium and did research on Farmer's Almanac or the weather or whatever it was. They did the research on the weather at the time of the year of Sundays when the football season is on, and they found out it doesn't really rain that much on Sundays of the football season, and, and that's that was why. they just were Wow. Like, I, I, I'm with you. I don't, I'm like, what? Really? The guy who works there is like, yeah, he did all sorts of research and decided that, you know, it, uh, it, 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 it won't be rainy. I'm like, okay. Oh, really? Yeah. So, oh, really? Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, so, Hey, uh, Chad was a defending champion, of course, coming in. James were the guys you were fresh out of uh, a 250 class. And he really struck out on that one, didn't he? I mean, I don't know. I'd have to go back and look at the weather. I, I don't We'd know. We'd have to see how the uh, Seahawks games have gone over the last however long they've been there. <laughs> right, right. What a, what a dummy to do that. Okay, all right. Maybe he's right. Maybe the Sundays have worked out beautifully. Maybe they have. Yeah. I've lived there. I moved out of there again because it rained. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe not on Sunday. I don't know. Okay. All right, yeah, so, 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 yes, Chad, uh, Chad, defending champ. Were you – were you not happy? So there was a there's a few podiums that year, of course, your rookie year. Were you not happy with the way it was going, or do you remember thinking like, "This is fine. Like, I'm learning. I'm getting better. I'm getting closer to those no, guys." I, or I were mean, you like, "Back, I was I was out of shape. Um, I wasn't I wasn't in my best form." Right. Uh, I think things. If I would have come in there like fully ready, like I think, uh, I'm not saying I would have beat Chad or James, but I think. Uh, I would have been a podium guy every time. Like if I would have been fit, you know, okay. speed was kind of there, you know, I think speed was there, not maybe not to James, but like speed was there, like I, pretty close, like podium for sure. Yeah. So but you was, weren't worried. You weren't stressed so much about your results. It was a learn. It was a rookie year thing. I, mean, I was young and dumb. I probably, I didn't know if I was stressed or not. Okay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> looking back, I said, right. yeah, I would, I would have been stressed and I would like, look, you know, I'm 33 now. So I'm like, well, you, yeah, you were a fucking idiot. <laughs> um, well, there were a ton of changes. Like, did, you missed some races. Uh, leading I, in I was race, sick. Right? I got sick, and I think I. And then, yeah, I got had gotten sick and came back, and then was sick some more. Um, you know, well, just uh, that's what yeah. I was going to say. So, going into this race, and we, we talked about it off the top here. Uh, new mechanic for you in Mike Williamson, your longtime guy, John Mitch of Throttle. Had yes. had left, and you. I think right around this time, you started with Alden Baker and Randy Lawrence, your other trainer. You know, no, because, no, 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 okay. no, 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 not Eldon. It was Jeff Spencer. Oh, Spencer. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I didn't. I thought it was Alden. Okay, so, so Jeez. you had you had some changes going on to your program, like longtime mechanic and longtime trainer were replaced. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, just changing things up. Part. You know. Just changing things up from the trainer standpoint, just kind of felt like I had out, out maybe outgrew that, needed a change, um, better or worse, needed a change. Uh, and then mechanic was more of like, I think, an internal thing, uh-huh. um, you know, but actually, you know, me and Mikey worked really well together. Um, I, I, I liked him as a mechanic, you know, it, it, it worked out, uh, worked out well the years that we worked together. Yeah, absolutely. No, for sure. Um, Okay, so do you think that actually had an impact? Like, it's kind of coincidence you come back and then you have a new mechanic, new trainer, all this new stuff, and you win. Was that part of it, or did it just work out coincidentally that way? Um, I think it worked out coincidentally yeah. that way. But I do think Mikey, um, you know, not taking anything away from John, Mikey was, Mikey was a good, um, like he knew how to to get the. I mean, maybe me, but I think he knew how to get his riders, um, you know get the best out of them if that makes sense you know like 
the great was, ones do. Guys like me, Mikey, the great ones. It was nice do. going to the line with you know, and it wasn't. I'm not saying it wasn't nice going to the line with John. But we're talking about this, you know, like I'm talking about my 450 career now, which I had Mikey for my 450 career. Um, like looking back, not just Seattle, but all of it. Like um, it was a good. It, it was he was really good too. Like ah, oh, maybe I want to go to take this line. You know, like honest. Like we'd be looking at gates. No, nope, we're not doing that. We're taking this one. All right, fine. Okay, okay. Back, right. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. Like I was very good. I I didn't. I liked having either the backup of him or him taking and saying no. We're going to go here. Yep. Right. Right. Because. You know, and never, even if it didn't work out, like I would never say, fuck you, you, that was a bad, it was your fault. Like I never, ever, 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 ever said that. Um, but I, it just, it was, it was nice having that help, you know, like, Hey, I think we should go here. I think we should do this. You know, like it takes that thought process away from the rider where it's just like, okay, he oh. thinks it's good. I think it's pretty good. Okay. We got, now it's, we got two people on the same page. That's instead of having your having it all on yourself. You won a lot of races with John. What did you like about throttle, uh, in that time too? Let's uh, shout out to John, obviously. Uh, what was he like to work with? Yeah. Like, so going back, I had him for three years at PC. Um, and I would say looking back, like those are probably some of the, the the three, three of the best years I've had. Mm -hmm. Um, I was young, dumb, fast. Um, you know, like won a lot, like there wasn't, like it was, it was a good three years. Like the, and then even the year that me and BT went back and forth for, for 12, 12 races or 12 rounds, you know, um, it was just a fun year. And, and, you know, we didn't have any, like John did a good job with the, with the motorcycle. And, and like I said, w even with me, you know, but, yeah. uh, just the, the whole thing, I was, I don't know if I'm looking back, like at being, he was like 18, 19, 20 or whatever, you mm -hmm. know, like you think of things, everything's, you look at the world a little bit differently than when I got 25, 26, 27 with, with, with Mikey, you know? Yeah. I think, I think John just didn't fit in well with the Cowie guys, right? From what, kind of what I gather at the yeah, time. Yeah. Right? Like, I honestly, I think it was political. Some of it was political. Um, I don't really know. Right. Honestly, I, I don't, that was one thing that I don't really know anything yeah. about. Do you, um, like that, they keep the, you know, I'm a contractor and that's internal. Like, yeah. you know, they were, so it had nothing to do with me. Do you, when you say you were sick, was it an Epstein bar thing or was it like, what was going on a little bit with you? Cause I do remember this time and, and that lots of whispers about, you know, sort of you, you were, you weren't in great shape. Uh, RL was I mean, getting I think I was sick, but it was more of, you could maybe call it that, but like, I, I think it was more of a, an ongoing, like, you know, flu thing and then okay. being out of shape and, yep. you know, like just com everything compounding on itself. Right. Uh, you were teammates with Timmy, of course, this year too. So what a, what a phenomenal first year teammate to have just to guide you into the class. It, it, it was good having Timmy as a, as a, uh, as, oh. as a guy there that we could, that I could talk to and didn't want, he didn't hold anything. Like he would just, we'd speak freely, you know, or right. he would speak freely. He didn't, wasn't, wasn't worried you, about me taking his job or doing this or doing that, you know, like he was just, you guys went you to know. Hawaii together, rode horses in the off season. That's right. We did. Yeah. We drank a lot. <laughs> See, drank a lot, <laughs> rode horses with red dog, real, real bonding stuff. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Weech. Um, you mentioned, yeah. So Mikey Williamson would suggest something. You took it. Okay. They make a decision on your mechanic. That's Cali's deal. You're not interfering with that. I always feel like that was one of your strengths. I've talked to you about this before where, you worked with your team. You did not fight your team. You even told me once, you probably don't remember this, that like you knew the strengths and weaknesses of the Kawasaki and you weren't going to ask them to revamp what their bike did. You just had to go with what they had and what their bike was good at. 
Um, I feel like that was a strength of yours. Is that something you consciously said, like, yeah, I'm not going to fight these guys. I'm going to work with them. I mean, I think there's a lot of things that I would have liked to try to change, right? Or, or you know, would have maybe done things yeah. a little bit differently. But I think you see that in today's racing where, like, you know, like, oh, I, you know, or you hear about it. You know, you hear about, oh, they won't let them do this. They won't mm-hmm. let them yes. do this. It's political for whatever reason. Don't ask me why it is the way it is or why they want to n- not do those things. But it is the way it is. And I think a lot of these riders get like, oh, well, that'll, that, they're looking for this magic bead. Um, yep. And there is no fucking magic thing out there. But that's period. That's fact. There's not. Um, each motorcycle does something strong, something good, something bad. Um, and you better be, you know, and where they're good, you, you know, exercise that and make that the best it can be and even better. Um, and make this where it's shitty at. You just, you, you, you make it good. It doesn't have to be great. Um, to win. You can't tell me that KTM's bike or Yamaha's bike, Frannis's bike just does everything perfect. Um, you know, I mean, leading up to that, like ask Cooper, ask Chad, like supposedly it was this, it was that, it was the bike, the bike, the bike. Yeah. Well, it just came around and it was the same motorcycle that came out and won this year. Yeah. So you I, tell me. Yeah. yeah I, 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 listen, you, you, I'm, Weege knows, I'm siding with you. There's way too much bike setup talk these days with these guys. There's just, there's too much of that stuff, uh, in my opinion, and you'll never get a motorcycle to work 100% everywhere you want it. And you, no, and you I know. think that, like, looking back, leaning on the team and Mikey, I had a few key guys that I could – and Mikey was really good for me there. Like, oh, I don't like that. Um, okay, mm-hmm. well, you know, like, we would kind of talk about it or whatever. And, and a lot of times, a lot of times, if not most of the times, he was kind of right. And it was like, oh, I don't I – don't, you're slowing the whoops or it's, it's, how's it look? How's it, what, what's it feel like here or there? Like I could, I'd, I'd come into the pit or come in on test days and say, well, you know, like feels pretty good. I like it, but what's it look like to you guys? Mm-hmm. Like from uh, Scott at Shoah and yep. Mikey like, and Kurt and those guys. And I'd look at everybody. What's it look like to you guys? Because it feels good to me. Like, or, it, you know, it fixed this problem, but what's it look like now over here or there in the whoops? Um, and they'd say the same, better or worse, right? Like, okay, yeah, if, if it's improved where I wanted it to improve, but now we're the same in the whoops or better, then okay, great. But, like, um, I'd rely a lot on on what they were seeing um, because it, they've these guys have been in the industry for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's my point. Yeah. I feel like a lot of guys in your situation, like top-level race-winning riders, they lose sight of they that think and eventually smarter it's like than, their way or think, the highway. They think they're smarter than they are. Yes. Um, <laughs> and they're not. Uh, you yeah. know, they're not. I, yeah. I was at some Cali event uh, years ago, and you were there, and you're like, yeah, dude, like, the Cali was never going to turn underneath Dunge's KTM. Like, it just wasn't. And if you think you can outsmart the Japanese engineers and do that, you're a freaking moron. Like, just go around the outside, make the bike do what it's designed to do. I'm not going to outsmart the engineers that built this thing. Yeah, basically, and not so many words. Yeah, even it still and it still applies to today. Like you're mm-hmm. not going to, you know, like if we know there's an issue, and it could be this issue, whatever the issue is, it's this right here, and we know that. Like even to get it up the water, even to get it up the waterfall to the top, and then get it changed, and then have it come back down. Yeah, yeah, it's, you know, it's a lot. The chain of, right. the chain of command. Do you think that's going to happen? Like in a 12 race series? No. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> you know, you got now point, maybe yeah. a private team, maybe a private team, you know, um, um, but they still have, there's political things inside of that too. 
What'd you do the night you won Seattle 09? What do you remember? Was it a big rager? Uh, what'd you do? Honestly, I don't remember. Okay. I don't remember. I, I wonder if that was, I don't remember if we went, we might've went over to that cow, cowgirl bar right across the street for a little bit. Okay. But I honestly, I don't remember. Right. Do you remember? I think I might've went over with Nick. Do you remember the relief you felt or do you, do you feel like, I, I mean, do you feel like ecstatic that you got one or anything like that? Yeah. 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 In front of my hometown was cool. Um, hell man, I don't. Right. I it was only I guess it opens the door. Okay, well, fuck. Now you gotta do it more. You know, it's only but the but, beginning. Well, I was gonna say. So two weeks later, you won Vegas. You won again. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was that was a good race for me. I think like looking at Seattle. Okay, but Vegas, I can remember there was a big ass set of whoops in that, mm-hmm. that that race. James winning went down. Then Kevin was right behind him, ran over him. He went down. Um, but we were all the top three of us right there were close. Right, that's yeah. a race. I yeah. think so. I, I got. I, I don't remember that one off the top of my head. On oh, I think it Vegas. was. It, I probably, think it was. Right. Um, but well, yeah. I don't know. I think you're Vegas. Remember, it was like James and Chad going for a title. I don't even know. I I think they were trying to manage it to great. But you passed everybody. You did pass everybody. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm getting. I'm getting the one confused. Another one confused. Oh, I think that's when I won Salt the, Lake Eleven, which is no. When I won the championship okay. at Vegas, the first time, the, my first. Oh, okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah, maybe that's what. Yes, this '09 is the year that. Uh, um, yeah, I Chad, think I passed both of them. Yeah, you did. Chad yeah. was screwing with. Chad, Chad went for the move, right? Yep, yep. Chad was and trying. I ended up passing. You know, I passed both of them. It was a pretty close race right. between all three of us. It wasn't like we had, you know, um, and that was a good race because okay, and that's when Chad was like, all right, this, he, you know, he's 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 here to stay, you know. And, and then you had, so you win Vegas, you win Seattle, then you get fourth at Salt Lake, you win Vegas, and then a week later, you have an incredible ride at Glen Helen where you track down the 800, who was checked out at his home track, and you track him down in both motos, and you win. And that was a pretty impressive ride. I, I hate to give you so much, so many props, but 09 Glen Helen at a track that, you know, the 800 is, and who, who by the way, Mike would go on to win the, or not win the championship, go on to lead the championship uh, until his crash. Uh, Glenn Helen 09 was, you were on quite a roll is what I'm getting at here. Yeah, I think it was going to go well. I think, you know, I, you know, I, I think I would have won, but I think that it would have, I think I had a really good chance at winning um, that outdoor title. Um, I would say that, Weege, wouldn't you? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd say one one in the opener, good sign. One one and tracking I mean, I, Mike down, you know. Like, yeah, Mike, Mike's good at Glen Helen, but I think I'm better than probably anybody at Glen Helen. Like, if I was to race a track, um, even if I pulled a bunch of retired guys out of racing, like, and I had to, my pick, I'm going racing Glen Helen with and with all those guys. Jeez, oh wow, like, I didn't know. And JG, I don't know if you if JG likes Glen Helen, but JG's strong, really good. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 oh yeah. yeah. And that's how I feel. Like I feel like Glen Helen. If I'm picking a race to go race, I'm picking Glen Helen. Like, yeah, and big, so- wide, rough. It's it's it takes it takes some time to you know like i don't know people don't people hate it for some reason they do yeah i think it's good so did you do your knee at the race at Glen helen or was it no the it next was week? it was it was i it was already tore okay. actually it was all it was it was my knee was already tore prior to even during supercross okay um yeah i don't think i'd actually got it fixed yet ever that would have been the first time that i got it fixed so i'd been running it for like seven years or so yeah tour oh your whole 250 career my whole 250 career my knee my acl was tore wow 
Wow. So it was going to bite you eventually. Yes, my whole 250 from 80s, basically. Whitney, I did it at Whitney 2000, probably uh, 13, maybe. Mm. So till till when I got it fixed that first time. And then you did it during the week. Then is that what happened? You finally yes. yes okay, so yes, after Glenn yes, Helen, during the, yeah, during yep. the week, you finally did it, and 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 then that was it, surgery. Um, and then of course in 2010, you know, surgery crash in St. Louis, uh, lower leg and all that. So. Um, yeah, that, that's kind of where you were going from there. Uh, watching. Well, I remember this is hilarious. We went. Yeah. Hangtown was round two after Glenn Helen and you were there. I think. Did you try practice he, at round two? I Glenn? think he wrote a moto. I think, I, think I did. Yes, I think I did. OK, so Aaron Bates goes over and interviews, interviews you for TV. And I think at this point you're super high on painkillers. <laughs> and we basically know that with you out, it's probably going to be between either Chad or Mike. And we know where you were at Mike most of your career. So she said, are you pulling for anyone? And you said, definitely Chad Reed. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's great. Uh, uh, that's when he was on Cowies, I think, right? Uh, no, Chad uh, was on Suzuki. they were both Suzuki teammates, oddly enough. Yeah. Yeah. They were, they were both on Suzuki because Chad was supposed to be Supercross only, and he threw together an insurance bonus to just sneak in outdoors at the last second, right? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. something yeah. like that. I remember that. By, by the yeah, way, he, he was not good at the beginning. Yeah, he yeah. he wasn't. And Mike Mike was crushing him. And then Mike had Mike somehow decided to ride the press day at uh, High Point uh, or whatever it was. <laughs> Did the kneecap yeah. in, and and then that was all she wrote. So well, here's what I'm getting at. Here's okay. what I'm getting at. Uh, I don't know where you and Mike are. You guys are retired. I don't know if you could be cool with each other now. For all I know, but. Was there some symbolism of you win your first Supercross? I actually look, Mike fell down on the whoops in front of you. Like, you passed him technically to win. You track him down to Glen Helen. Was there some symbolism here of like, yeah, I'm finally getting this guy? Did that stuff run through your mind back then? No, I was too busy doing my own, you know, racing, you know, like. Oh, okay. I think it, I think it was, it felt good. I think it probably felt even better to my dad, you know, like. Okay. Yeah. That, <laughs> you know, that, that, you know uh, uh, we were. By the yeah. way, in Seattle too, uh, uh, Stu is uh, five laps to go. Stu, se- Stu is seven seconds behind you. He works his way up uh, from the back, and then uh, you you ha- you held it strong the rest of the way. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. What do you what do you expect? Right, exactly. Hey, I'm confused when you say you're out of shape. <laughs> this is what's so weird. All right, yeah. It's not like you're fading in these races. Is there like a you're conserving energy in spots or something. It's not like you were awesome and then you would just fade. Like in this race, you're okay. So well, yeah, happen- but that I wouldn't call that a real supercross track. And oh, okay. I was, you know, like <laughs> I had I had 30 minutes in me for outdoors. You know, well, I don't think I wasn't hot that day either. Um, that day at Glen Helen, I don't think. Uh, so like a high heart rate stuff. Like yeah, I was out of shape. Oh, okay. All right. So the Seattle Supercross and Glen Helen, you didn't need to be in the best shape. You could make that work. It's different. I, I guess I did. Yeah, I guess I did. And same with Vegas, you know, with the big sweeper and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I th- yeah. You could rest. I, yeah, I guess. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's great. Uh, anything else, Weege? Well, uh, we had a guy, a super fan of yours, actually cry uh, when you broke through and won your first 450 race oh, in Seattle. That's right. Um, so that's what it meant to these fans. I don't know if you know this. Oh, well, see, I have some diehard fans. Oh, yeah. We literally, to this day, 12 years later, we call him the crier. Yeah, he's a crier. Yeah. Well, I mean, I personally, yeah, I mean, my, I, I think I had some pretty good fans while, while racing. Um, I think a lot of people liked me. I don't think a lot of people hated me, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, but I think, you know, since I've been retired, I think more you, people like me now. You know what I think, honestly, and I, again, I hate to give you fucking credit here on the show, but... I, I think, and Weed, you agree, Weed, you can agree or disagree with me. 
I don't think we took the Villapoto Dungy era. I don't. I think we took it for granted a little bit now that we don't have it. Um, it's weird to see. You know, we uh, RV. You made a you made a comment about guys being hot and cold on the other podcast, and and I think you're right. And we're not appreciating. And I I hate to say this, we're not appreciating the greatness of yourself and Dunge and how damn consistent you guys were. And how much when the pressure was on, you always came through. And when 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 you needed to win, you did. And, and like we're not in that era anymore. And I don't think maybe we thought it was maybe too easy. And now that you guys are gone, we're like, oh wait, none of these guys can seem to do that indoors yeah, and out. And I, I personally believe that I, you know, me and him you take us at. You know, let's use Ricky as for as an example. Um, you know, and I mean even James when he was his, his few on like the years that he was really on, you know, and consistent 24 and Oh, yeah. Um, you know, you won't, you won't find that fucking no chance. Are you going to find that now? Yeah. We got bizarro mm-hmm. Eli and Cooper Webb's indoors and outdoors, Anderson indoors and outdoors stuff. Like, oh, Roxon. Do we want to Rox- start with that? Yeah. Roxon, bizarro Roxon. And yet yeah. there's, there's yourself and Dungeon, And then before that, Ricky, and before that, James, who just indoors, Outdoors, twenty nine races. You're bringing it every single time. It, it just yeah, yeah, and it wasn't. And here's the other thing: it wasn't. It, now it wasn't like it was do or die. Like I was going to slip my wrists, or you know, like you know, like it wasn't like it wasn't like that per se. But yes, it's there was there was it was like a do or die, you know, thing there. It wasn't. It was like, dude, we were fucking going there to win. Like every single time. yeah yeah I, there's a hundred and twenty thousand dollars on line every fucking night that we race right <laughs> and I want a chance at getting that money right and the win which means points which means you know a million dollar bonus right the million dollar bonus um, you know like like it, these I don't know man I I don't see that I don't see that urgency. I don't see that. I don't. I just don't see that mentality anymore. And I don't buy that. Oh God, it's there's the field is deeper than it ever has been. Um, I think the field was as deep, if not deeper, before. I just think that it didn't look like that because of the same the, guys won all the time, so it didn't look because that way, the yeah. dominance yeah. of Dunge yeah. and Ricky and. You know, James and myself, like, yeah. you know, bad race for us was, was, a, I would say a bad, bad race was fifth. Um, yep. A bad race for us was second or third, you know, like it was a bad race for us was, was, was third through fifth, second through fifth, you know, like yeah. you didn't see us running around out there at fucking, you know, <laughs> ninth uh, or eighth or whatever, right? You know, it, yeah. Okay. Maybe. Maybe once or twice. I didn't. I didn't qualify it at what's it called one time. Salt or not? Salt. Jacksonville. Jacksonville. Yeah. Jacksonville. You know, like. Okay. Yeah. I get it. There's some. There's some ones. But like, if you look at our rec, like, on Whiskey Throttle, we looked at Dunge's his like finishes. <laughs> there wasn't one out of the out of fifth place. I don't think. Like, no, yeah. it's insane. Yeah. There, there's never. We don't leave a race going. You know what? Dunge just rode around in eighth, man. It was really weird. Yeah. Or Dunge just faded. Dunge got Dunge got caught for the lead, 
and then went back to sixth. Like that, that didn't happen. That, 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 that never happened. And, and now no. every week, like Eli and Kenny and Cooper were just like, well, I don't know. Weege, what do you think happened? And Weege's on I yeah. like, I don't know. <laughs> you know so. And then his bike set up. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. You know what I mean? That just doesn't happen. No. So I, I, I don't know. I, what is it? You know, and I was talking to, to actually one of my old people that I've worked with in the past. And he basically said there that the guys aren't cut from the same cloth that me and Dunge were, you know. Yeah. This is somebody in you know in the industry and yep yep you know so and I said well I just don't get it I honestly I said I don't we had the same conversation and we you know yeah. I'm like I just think it's weird. Yeah, I, it is. Yeah, it's an all-time era. Not all-time, but it's an it's a different era, Weege. And you and I have been covering all. Yeah, these when guys, you go yeah. all the way through freaking like the previous thirty years, all the way back to like McGrath, and then like you said, RC and Stu, and then you guys, it was what we had come to expect. Like the best guys are gonna yes, fifth is a disaster, third really at worst, and they're probably gonna go first and second. And Chad, by the way, we did one of these with Chad a couple months ago. He felt the same way. It was like battling with you and Dunge and James was like, you want to talk stacked field? Like, I had to go against those guys. So it's not that. Yeah, Chad felt the <laughs> yeah. same exact way. Yeah. 100%. I think it's, yep. I, you know, I, I personally think that these people are like, oh, it's never been as stacked before some of these people you hear. It's, it's never been as inconsistent, which makes it look like there's more fast people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah. There are eight different riders that can win, but that's only because the top two guys aren't winning every single race anymore. That's what's changed. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah yep. no, yep. Um. All right. You there? He won. He won eight races, right? Uh, you broke up there. What? He wrote, did. Coop win eight races this year. Um. Supercross. I don't know how many did he win. Yeah, something like that. That sounds about right. But now I gotta give. I gotta go. DV would probably he'll kill me if I <laughs> like. We talked about this on the pulp show when DV was on there, right? Yeah. Um. Ferrandis, he never – what, was he off the podium once? Uh, two motos out of the year, yeah. Three motos, sorry, so, three motos all year. And and, and how many wins? Uh, four? Like, like, no, the moto wins weren't a lot, but oh. the overall wins, it was like half. Yeah. How many wins? Yeah, like seven. Yeah. How, how, many over, how many overall wins did you say? That's what I'm saying. It was like six or seven overalls. He didn't win a lot of motos, but he was winning the overall right. every time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know. Maybe he wasn't like knocking down one ones all the time, but yes. like, like he missed the podium. What'd you say twice? Uh, three times, three motos all year. Ferrandis missed the podium. Yes, twenty-one moto now, podiums. Yep. See, now that's called consistency. Um, which you know, that's why his points lead was so damn big. Yep. Because he was consistent and and winning races and winning races all at the same time consistent and winning races so you yeah. know call it maybe he's a he's the next one that's gonna fill in for for well i retired before dunge so fill in for dunge okay okay for, i don't know what do you think no I, I i just think it's over i don't think we're gonna see anybody do that kind of thing anymore i, I mean i, well, I, I honestly i hope that- i'm right because it's exciting from our side to have this kind of craziness i don't know what's changed but yeah. i think it's changed I'd like to see like a. I'd like to see a winner. Well, hasn't yeah. been the same since Timmy retired, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Anything else for RV on the uh, Lee at Reraceables here, Weege? 
No, we're good. Yeah. Congrats on it. You were really good. Did you know? Are you aware of that? Or oh, he's aware of it. Aware trust or? me. Oh, he's aware of it. Oh, he's aware? Oh, he's aware. Okay. He, he's the greatest retired rider ever. <laughs> Self-proclaimed. Um, nice to see you as always, RV, at the Blue Crew uh, uh, ride the other day. So nice to see you and uh, and all of that, man. Thanks for the time on the podcast. Oh, there were. You're back. You're back. Oh, you were. Somebody muted me. Oh no, we didn't. No, nobody muted you. Mainstream news did not meet meet you. Uh, that's that's what happens when I'm t- when I'm speaking the truth. I get muted. <laughs> right. Oh, uh, thanks that's for like doing this, gone. RV. You were you were a really good rider, and we appreciate I'm muted it again. See, uh, we we can hear oh, no, you. You're, stop touching your phone. We can hear you loud and clear. Yeah. Oh, okay. There you go. You're back. <laughs> your guys are going away. Okay. Uh, thanks for the time on the Leah Rewritesables Pod, RV. Thank you. All right, guys. See ya. See ya. Good stuff from RV. And like we said, like the trainer, the mechanic, a lot of things were changing around for RV because Kawasaki was, and it was Mike Fisher, was the team manager back then. Mike Fisher wasn't happy with RV's performance. They were looking at everything. John Throttle, John Mitchell Throttle, the mechanic, wasn't gelling with people. Uh, training wasn't working out. Like a lot of stuff going on, and RV like you said, took two out of three, including this one, and it was the complete switch. Yeah, and, I mean, that's pretty shocking um, how quickly that turned. And as RV says, you know, you can't chalk it all up to, like, they <laughs> start to work with Jeff Spencer a few weeks before the race and gets a new mechanic, and then suddenly he's, you know, yeah. not goes from a ninth-place guy to a winner. Some of it was just the circumstances finally worked out. Uh, but, and as we talked to Ryan here, I, I've always said I think the Kawasaki team is always underrated. People love to talk about uh, the amazing team Honda in the 80s and 90s and Mitch Payton's great run uh, in the 125 and 250F class or you know how much stuff the KTM group is winning overall in all the series these days. I've always said that the long run of success, I mean, Kawasaki never sucks. They never suck. Like from the Wardy <laughs> days till now, Okay, uh, the Millsaps year of 15, that was a rough year. Um, yep. you know, the year. But RV should have been there in 15. He retired early on them. They weren't seeing that coming. Honestly, that's the only year you could think. Like, from Jeff Ward, through LaRocco Kudrowski, through Emig, through Carmichael, through Stu, through Villapoto, through Eli Tomac, that's 30 years of Cowie being as good. Like, their guy is as good as anyone else's guy. And I think a lot of it is structural. So they, they basically... You know, we know that a lot of teams, they let the riders call the shots, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I think Cowie's a little bit better at, we know our guys because we knew them as Team Green. We know them with Mitch. We know them. They know us. We know when to push. We know when to say, no, 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 you need to do it our way. I'm sure there are also times and they're like, yes, we will let you do it your way. But I don't think they let riders come in whole house and just do whatever they want and a lot of teams do, and I think Cowie has a structure that they know works, and to me, the proof is in the results. They've been good for 30 straight years. When is the year where you're like, oh, Cowie, that, those are the years they were just garbage? It's a great point by you. There really isn't. There really isn't. Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of it is structural. Uh, our buddy Bruce was there for a lot of it. He's still there now. Um, I don't think at this time he was probably not there. He's probably at Monster at this time. I think time. he was at Monster, yeah. Yeah. But the point is, they were pushing buttons on Villapoto, the right ones, obviously. And then look what he says, like how well he worked with them to understand the strengths of the bike. Um, you know, not, you know, he, 
okay, I'm sure Villapoto's bike was not perfect all the time, as he said. But when did you ever hear RV saying like, well, there's nothing I could do. The bike's a piece of shit. Right. Did you ever hear Villapoto say that? No. Nope. Yep. Never. Um, yep. How much do you think his win on this night had to do with his teammate, the calming, steady influence of his team, who was injured at this point, but his aura, I'm sure, was around the truck? I feel bad. Oh, nine. That's really a lost year for Timmy. Wasn't it? You know who was the fill-in at this race? Who? Lalunovic. What? Yeah, Billy Lalunovic. What? He was a fill-in. <laughs> Billy Lalunovic, 450 Supercross factory rider. Yeah. Okay, filling in for Timmy. Yes. Yes. Oh. Oh. Uh, no, I did not. <laughs> There's been a lot of weirdo Cowie fill-in riders through the years. Yep. But I didn't know that one. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. But, okay. you know, Timmy was yep. around, guiding RV, really helping him, sure. you know, all of sure. that. So, and then, uh, yes. you know, 09 was Timmy's last year. He, uh, yeah, you know. So, do you think that Timmy got hurt, what, Daytona, Daytona or something like that? Yep. Okay. Do you think that basically the thing that RV needed to finally win one of these 450 races was Timmy to pass the torch? I think he he needed the guy not there. So that he okay. could fully like realize that his main guy was gone. <laughs> okay, Villapoto was not the alpha as long as Timmy was there yes. healthy. Yep, he needed Timmy to step aside. Yep, to take a mantle of the team <laughs> and be like, "Oh, I'm the team leader. I need to win. Okay, I'll win now." Okay, so what's your uh, what's your blame pie percentage here for uh, for RV winning? How, how much credit do you give Timmy? For uh, RV I give Timmy probably forty three percent ish. Okay. So, okay. That's you know fair. what? He didn't do too bad at Cali, considering he was hired to be a test rider, according to some guys on the oh, webcast. Oh, oh, so, oh, oh. Um, ouch. All right. So yeah, Stu works his way up uh, and finishes second. RV wins his first uh, 450 Supercross title, and it goes down to Vegas. And we, you brought up the point earlier, like yeah, he wins again in Vegas. You brought up the RV, like yeah, I, I kind of forgotten about that, but because it was so much drama on Stu and Chad, we weren't watching an RV grab that race and took off. And it was over. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's an amazing thing how confidence works. And we all know that Villapoto, as far as like being head case guy, is like one of the least. Yes. Right? Yes. But even him, even him, it's like they always say it. You need to have that moment. And, and the great Mitch Payton has said that over and over. You almost need the guy to win on accident first to believe he can do it. So he gets one night here where – Chad goes down in the first turn. Did James crash or just get a bad start? Just a bad start, yep. Okay, so they're both in the back, and I'm sure at this point James is like, I'm right now, I just need to beat Chad. Uh, and that opens the door for Alessi and Villapoto. Villapoto wins, and he got that one win. And then, just like that, they mm -hmm. just start coming. And it's the way it works over and over. Even with one of the least head casey guys ever, it still happens. You know, we like to poke fun at JGR. Every now and then, we've been known to do that, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Josh Grant won Anaheim 1, the JGR first ever race. Yep. It's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> you just want to bring that up? Yeah, I just want to bring that up that for as much trouble as JGR had, perhaps everything would have been different if they hadn't had immediate success at Anaheim 1. 
Yeah, I, well, that was year two. Yeah, year two. Win. You're right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yep. But, but the point was, yes, they won in their second year. And yep. it's like, well, here it comes. Here it right? comes. Yep, they got a shocks. Yes. They got homemade shocks. They got homemade parts, and it's on. Gas tanks. Yes, yes. Making gas tanks. Like, you can't stop these guys. No, but yeah. no. And JG didn't just win Anaheim 1. I mean, he was fast and good all yeah, year he, indoors and out. He was, like, he was fifth legit. going in the points in this one. So, uh, yeah, he was, he was yeah. very good. But unless he gets up to get fourth, by the way. Uh, Millsaps okay. gets the last spot on the podium, uh, yep. and, and uh, that's uh, Seattle 09. Chad gets seventh, like we said, and now it's five points going into Salt Lake City uh, for James. He's up five points, uh, and that one, I believe he crashes in that one. Does he not crash out? Not crash out, but does he not crash at Salt Lake City 09 and bring it even tighter? Uh, no, I think Salt Lake – no, no, no. Salt Lake, God, I'm telling you, 09 needs to be re-raceables. Salt Lake is the chiz race. That's right. Yes. Salt Lake is the chiz race. <laughs> yeah. So J- so James is gone on that one. He's checked out. And then Chad's coming up through the pack. Yes. yes. Uh, yeah. I think they battled. I think it was a really good battle again, actually. Was James it? Okay. and Stu. And I think Stu was taking control. And then, yes, uh, chiz, James' teammate, was getting lapped. And then goes from rolling around to going like on, on, triple, double, yeah. all of a sudden when Chad's yeah. near him. <laughs> uh, uh, that's all right. a whole other show for another day. Yeah, Lee at Re-Raceables. Again, send us an email using the contact form on PulpMX, and we'll get you a code for Leah to save. We're going to have a code for Scott, too, soon. Uh, Scott Goggles code, so thanks to, to those guys. Scott, the only goggle made in the USA, and Max's tires on board with us as well. Uh, shall we do the categories? Yes. All right. Seattle 09 Lee at Re-Raceables. Categories, first up, who really won the race? You know, I'm going to go Stu because he got second. He made up – the points lead literally changed at this race from being up from, – from Chad being five up, James being three up. And, you know, he got all the way up in second from mid-pack. I know Villapoto won. I get it. But he kind of just won because unless he – unless he was no challenge to him, unless he fell, then he took off. James won this race, really won this race. You know, for the sake of the championship, uh, yeah, I mean, that really was the decider right there. I mean, he was down on points coming in, and he left with the points lead, right? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's that's pretty good. Um, I like the fact that you also swerved and didn't just pick the winner of the race as a winner. So guess what? I will do the same. I'm going to give it to Mike Alessi. I feel like it's one of the best races he ever had. There you go, Mike. Really? There you go. Okay. It's one of the best races. Now that I look back at it, yep. and I'm like, he didn't get worked. He fell while leading. Would Villapoto have gotten him? I mean, probably. You can look at their track record in Supercross together. Uh, fine. If we want right. to break this trend of picking the winner as a winner. Okay. I mean, it should be Villapoto, obviously, but let's try. Let's try. All right. Uh, yeah. Lee at Re-Raceables categories. Who's that guy? Well, it's 09, so pretty hard to Not pick a, a who's that guy. But I will go, well... I, I know all these guys, but let's go Gray Davenport, 19th and 250 Supercross. Um, I don't I know who Gray Davenport is, a Utah kid, and he's around. He raced in Canada for a little bit. Michael a lot Hor- of arena cross. Yeah, Michael Horbin. Mike Horbin, uh, I helped him out with pulp stuff at one point. Um, something about Mike Horbin and me helping him out. I either paid for his entry or I did something. He was a friend of Watson, so I know Mike Horbin. Um, Borkenhagen, yep, know a lot about him. 14th, Alex Martin. You know, no d- way. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, unbelievable how far back. There's nobody in the 450 class that you would. This is 12 years ago, Steve. 
Yeah, yeah, Alex we, J. Yeah, Martin. yeah, yeah. There we're, he is. We're, just, we're just moving on. We're just going to move on. Alex Martin, fourteenth. Oh, okay. um, so yeah, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. Gray Davenport, uh, although he's not a great. Who's that guy? Can I go into the LCQ? Oh, sure. Yeah, I guess I didn't do that. There, okay. I'm looking at the LCQ. Um, ninth place, didn't make the main. Cole Seeley. Hmm. Did he do anything? Did he no. go on? I mean, the dude couldn't even make mains. He didn't go on. To yeah, how how good could he be? Yeah. I mean, didn't even make mains. Uh, there are a couple names in there I actually haven't heard of. Let's go with uh, congratulations, Jeremy O'Driscoll, uh, also out of Utah, 15th in the LCQ. Good job, Jeremy. All right. Never okay. heard of him. Never heard of him either. No, I, I never yeah. have. Um, yep. Let Kid Award. I'll go. This one was James's answer stuff looked good. Um, RV Thor stuff was eh, okay. I don't like the Chad Reed stuff. It had the, the stripes on it, and I didn't like that get up. Uh, I'll go with Tedesco. White and black Fox gear. Uh, always Hondas always look good, right, with a white rear fender this year. Uh, I liked Hot Sauce's Red Bull helmet. These guys were Red Bull that year. Honda was. So I like Hot Sauce's setup for that heat race win. I'll go IT. Yeah, he did look good. Uh, I did like Chad and even uh, Mike's stuff. Was Mike A-Stars at that Mike point? Mike was A-Stars, yeah. Yeah, I, I like it. Uh, I I just think the Suzuki's at that point, they really look good. Um, and Chad's looked especially good when he ran in the red plate because it had some red on the bike yeah, as it was. Yeah, it did. It did. Yeah. Um, but I don't really feel like 09. 09 to me is not a high point for gear. What do you think? Yeah, 09 was the Fox uh, disgusting uh, uh, aquarium look to it. Um, oh, yeah. I don't even know if you should bring that up. You you were you were really getting yourself in trouble. <laughs> uh, um, what was the year you went to Transworld? 10? 2010? I think it was 09. Yeah. I just remember you making fun of uh, Josh Hill's Fox gear. Yeah. And, um, yeah, Fox, and Fox sent a letter to, to Maeda and said they're going to pull all the advertising, and Maeda yeah. just laughed. Uh, but, yeah, oh, you're right. You we were getting into just, like, puke stuff and colors everywhere, and, yeah, it wasn't a high point. Yeah. But I like – Yeah, it wasn't a good point for gear. But, uh, I, I like Alessi's uh, Alpine Star, so the Suzuki looks good. But how about what brand of gear is Davey Millsaps running? He's running Scott. Yeah. I'm going to go with that. Oh, God. You're Davey just... Millsaps and Scott gear. Yeah. Nice. I like it. There uh, you go, that, Johnny Knowles. That'll taking work. Taking over the sport. It actually looked pretty good. It did. Uh, yeah. And then when it fell down on him in Vegas and his ass was hanging out, John Knowles was very not happy about that. Uh, oh, yeah. There was um, only one happy man, which is our own, Race Rex's own Aaron Hansel, when his guy, Kyle Cunningham, passed Davey Millsaps and beat him in a 450 Supercross, partially because Millsap's pants were falling down, <laughs> but also because, for some reason, for a few years, Kyle Cunningham in Vegas was just unbelievable. He was. It was the weirdest he thing. Was. Yeah, he was. It was the weirdest thing. Uh, <laughs> yes. Everyone was still drunk or hungover, or I, I don't know. Um, yeah, that probably, that probably helped. Do you think Noel's all-time peak is when he got Stroop in Scott Gear? Yes, I do, because Stroopy, yes. did Stroopy win that year? Did he win one main? I don't know, but I just feel like Stroop was Noel's guy. Yeah, I feel like Stroopy won one main in Scott on, on the Suzuki. Scott. Oh, on the yeah, Suzuki. Yeah. But uh, yeah. all right, where's JT? Uh, well, where's JT? Uh, he's in this main event. He's fifteenth. Everybody, just okay. that's where his sweet spot is. Uh, somewhere in this main event, I saw on the ticker across the top, he was thirteenth uh, ahead of Nick Way in fourteenth. Nick ends up 11th. JT ends up 15th, so I don't know what happened there. But Matt Bonney, his buddy, is right around. It actually goes Bonnie 14th, JT 15th, Chiz 16th, Florida, Florida, Florida. Girl, all these guys grew up together, so they were probably out there racing each other, wondering. Oh, it's like Date City yeah. all over again. Um, yeah. 
Chiz, still chizzing. Still chizzing. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yep. Uh, Jacob yes. Marsak Award. I mean, it could go to well. Jacob Marsak. <laughs> <laughs> He's in it. He's number 57. He's 18th in the main. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, it's hard to not give the Marsak Award to Marsak. You want to pick that for yourself? No, I, I, I got another guy. But Jacob Marsak Award is for the guy who did the best, who you don't remember or, yeah. you know, whatever. Michael Hall, ninth place in the 250 Supercross class. Michael Hall. I remember Michael Hall. Uh, I don't know much about him, but uh, I definitely remember Michael Hall. He got ninth. Um, he got ninth in Anaheim, too, this year. He got ninth in Seattle, and he got ninth in Salt Lake City. Michael Hall, everybody. Um, yeah. I vague now I remember I totally forgot Michael Hall at uh, Loretta's we used to call him Michael Kids in the Hall, which oh, that's was a, a good one. Yep. Do you remember that show? Oh yeah, it's Canadian. I, yeah, I definitely. Remember oh, it was show. a Canadian. Yeah, it's Canadian show. It was like a Canadian Saturday Night Live like yep. a sketch comedy show, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, I'm sure when Kevin Kelly and I announced him as Michael Kids in the Hall, nobody knew what that even meant. Michael Hall, I believe, also the name of the guy who played the Predator. Michael oh really? Hall. Yeah. Yeah. Schwarzenegger movie. Yeah. So uh, wow. you wouldn't have saw that because it's not based in real life. Uh, I did because my dad liked it, and I was just young enough to, if he was going to the movies, you know, I couldn't stay home alone. So Sure, okay. All right. Uh, so Michael Predator Hall, but, yeah. but going with Jacob Marsak for the Jacob Marsak Award is also. That would be good. But I'm a, another one, I didn't know this. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to Polly Carpenter, great rider, solid guy, but I did not know that Carpenter, this is on the Jeff Cernix Kawasaki team, uh, eighth place. I didn't know that Carpenter was top tening 450 mains. He was really good, almost won. We talked about a, a couple is episodes this, ago, almost won a 250 yep. Supercross. Is this not Dusty Clatt, Carpenter? That was the same team. Is it the same year? I don't know. I don't know if it's the same year or not. No, yeah. I don't think so. I think Clatt was on Star this year, 09. I don't know for sure. Dusty Clatt was even on Star. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. All right. That sounds good. Lee at Re-Raceables. Thanks to Ryan Villapoto. Um Yep. I really like your point, though, Weege. Uh, as usual, you make a great point. Um, this might be the last time that the Chad Reed, James Stewart were like the two guys and everyone watched them and they had everything going for them and it was just a matter of which one was going to win because we just, for all the reasons you just indicated. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there's no way going into 2010 you're just like, rematch, Reed Stu. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Dungey's a rookie. And yeah, Villapoto won some races in 09, but. Nobody's beating Reed and Stu. No way, right? No way. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Good. Good. Uh, uh, great oops. point on that. Yep. Oops. <laughs> oops. The uh, Ryans ended up being really legit. <laughs> they did. Absolutely. All right, everybody. Thanks for uh, watching uh, or listening, I should say, for the Lee at Reraceables. Uh, thanks to Maxis and Scott. And uh, thanks to Ryan Villapoto for coming on. Weege, thank you. I'm sure uh, we'll do some more as we go on. Thanks, buddy. All right, man. See you. See ya.